Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you've got your Bibles, open with me to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be continuing in our series called Epistle, which just means letter. And our New Testament Bible is made up mostly of letters. And so we're going to be continuing this week with that series, starting in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I want to preach a message today with this title, For the Love. For the Love, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today, Lord. And Father, we're grateful for everything that's happening in our church, God. Father, it's no small thing. And Father, we just thank you for for what you're doing. We believe in our city and, and in this county, in this region, Lord, that Revival's breaking out and people are hearing the gospel and hearts are encountering you, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you that it's by your spirit, it's not by our strength, that we proclaim the gospel today. Father, I just pray that you would bless your word today, that you would use it, that you would help us, that you would show us something brand new today, Lord, in your word. Father, we pray for all in kids right now, Lord. We pray that they're having an awesome time enjoying the house of God. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. The two most difficult things to get right in life is love and God. We wrestle with these two things, big picture. And sometimes it can take a lifetime to figure out exactly those things. But here the Apostle John brings incredible clarity in these letters We're going to be covering today 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He brings incredible clarity to both of those things, love and God, because he says this, God is love. And with a revelation of the love of God, everything falls into place. Isn't it interesting that when things are in kingdom order in our lives, everything seems to fall into place. Everything seems to find its spot. Everything seems to be in the right position when we have the correct kingdom order in place in our lives. This is John's epistles to the church. So let's get into some key themes. For 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, I'm putting them all in one message today. 3rd John is actually the smallest of all the letters by words. Um, The main text, I guess, for today would be 1st John because it's the longest but we're going to do all of John's letters and we're going to talk about John as well. But here are some of the key themes if you want to write these down. One of the key themes is love. 
what true love is, that God is love, not the other way around. Okay? It's in 1 John 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So John says it like this. He says, if, if you don't love someone, you, don't, you haven't met God because God is love. And when you meet God, it means you really meet love, and then you understand what love is, and then you know how to love. So love is a key theme. Another theme here in these, these letters is sin and how Jesus is the answer for our sin. It's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another theme is truth. John will talk about what truth is. And we're going to cover that today. What true knowledge is. And true knowledge is to know God. Another theme we see here is false doctrines and false views of God. And the Apostle John has this amazing amazing way of bringing the supernatural and the natural together and giving us perfect understanding and clarity. He talks about these two things. First John chapter 1, sorry, 1 John 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. John deals directly with the incarnation and the spirit realm. There's always two conversations going on. You may have heard me say this before. There's a natural conversation and there's a supernatural conversation. There's a natural conversation. There's a spiritual conversation. There's always two conversations happening at the same time. And the Apostle John will help us dive in and understand and give perfect clarity of those two things. When was this letter written or what these letters written at the late part of John's life? Um, towards the end of the first century. This is towards the end of John's Life. Some of the words that are mentioned, love's mentioned 46 times alone, the word love. I think that's a pretty important part of this letter. This is why I like to look at the different words. Uh, To know or knowledge is used 42 times. Um, Sin is used 28 times. The world is used 23 times. Life is used 15 times. And abide is used 12 times. So let's talk about John. Last week, I love talking about Peter. Man, Peter gives me hope. I love Peter. Then before that, we talked about Paul. But today, I want to talk about John. Now, John is one of the 12. This is not John the Baptist. This is John, one of the disciples, one of the 12, a relative of Jesus. Um, John seems to have this distinct and very intimate relationship with Jesus. In fact, when he writes about himself, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. In the gospel account of John, it's very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but John's gospel was written much later than the other three, and the synoptic gospels are very similar. That's why they're called synoptic. It means same. So there's similarities in all three, and you can see them, and you can put them up against each other, but John's is completely different. And there's a reason for it is because at the end of John's life, John is is in Ephesus, and he's spending time there, and he's an elder, and he begins to see some things happening and that are coming into the church. 
some things that are just they're just not right. They're just kind of off a little bit. They're not they're not exactly what he remembers. And so he writes and he speaks and he he lifts his voice and he writes this letter and he talks about it. And history tells us there are historical documents that that, that confirm that John lived all the way to to the end of his life. Some some believe he lived over to, to over a hundred years old. He's the only of the twelve that wasn't martyred for the faith. There's actually a historical story that talks about how the emperor was so afraid of John that they tried to kill him. They tried to put him in boiling oil and he wouldn't die. And in fact, not only did he not die, he preached Christ. And then after that, they were then so scared of him that that's when he was banished to the island of Patmos for one year. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. Talk about doubling down. He's like, I'll get you. Well, Jesus was like, I'll get you through John. But John was this mystic but had foundation. And I'd love it if you could write this, this, this truth down today. In faith, there is mystery, but there is also foundation. In our Christian faith, in our walk with the Lord, I don't know if you've noticed this or yet, but there's mystery and there's foundation. And the Apostle John brings these two together perfectly. Anytime you see in the Bible the things that are mentioned first, you should, you should circle them, you should notice them. But let me show you one that maybe you've never seen before. But when John writes, he starts his letters in the Gospel of John and in 1 John in a very unique way. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, that which was from the beginning. And then in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John in verse 1, it says, in the beginning. Does that sound familiar? He writes just like we read the very beginning of our Bibles in Genesis. So John brings mystery, but he always brings foundation to our faith. We serve a God who exists in such glory that our human existence cannot approach him or see him while we occupy our natural bodies. Our natural eyes cannot see the glory of God. But when we are made alive in Christ, our hearts know it. And we know it very well. That's why someone can say, well, have you seen God? And you say, not with my natural eyes, but how do you know he's real? I just know he's real because of what he's done in my heart. Can I get an amen? In faith, there's mystery and there's foundation. And John understands this and he's watching the church begin to doubt some things. And he begins to see some things later on in his life and he feels compelled to write at the end of his life. And it's almost as though God preserved his life for this reason that God preserved his life so that at the end of his life, he would remember and he would write down some things of the intimate foundational things of Jesus Christ. There's a few things in the Gospel of John that we don't have anywhere else. And there's actually a pretty long list. I'm just going to give you a few, but these are the things that are only recorded by John. Okay, The wedding at Cana is only in John's Gospel. The encounter with Nicodemus is in John chapter 3 is only written in John, and that's important. Remember, that's, that's the verse where Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. John chapter 4, the encounter that Jesus has at the well with the woman of Samaria and then goes away and tells everyone and all these people get saved. It's only in John. And there are many more like it. And the high priestly prayer in John 17 is only in John because John was right there and heard it with his own ears. What Jesus said to the Father and wrote it down. 
John is relentless about spreading the message of how much God loves and how our obedience is tied into his love and we submit to his love because that's what children do is they submit in love to the Father. And as a father knows best how to love us. So what are the takeaways from these letters? Okay, if you want to write these down, here you go. Number one, this is what John says to the church. He says, number one, God is love and he is true. Okay, this is foundational stuff for us today. Foundational truth. Jesus Christ is true. And God is love. And you can believe in him because God's love for you And love for me meant that Jesus came in the flesh. John says right off the top, he says, guys, 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 I was there. And here's the truth today is that personal experience trumps someone else's say so any day of the week. When you've had firsthand experience, when you saw the event, when you saw the thing, when you were there, no one can persuade you otherwise. And that's why John writes, because he's like, hey, I was there. I saw it. It's impossible for you to persuade persuade me otherwise. You're believing in a real person that was really here in the flesh. There were competing forces. John was in Ephesus at the time. um, And in Ephesus, there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on, many, many idols, um, different ways of religion, different ways of doing things. There was the Romans who it was normal for you if you're, you're um, part of uh, your Roman citizen where you would have to say Caesar is Lord. That was, that was, that was expected and, and there were all kinds of stuff and people were dabbling in different things and that was beginning to creep into the church and one of the main things that was creeping in was Gnosticism, which basically is this, it sort of elevates human knowledge and then it suppresses people's people's material life. So it's basically the flesh and the things that in the material world are evil. And the only thing is good that's good is the spirit. And this was coming in. And there were people that were starting to say, oh, Jesus didn't really come in person, person form. He didn't show up in the person. He wasn't, there wasn't a resurrected body. And John comes in and says, no, I saw him. I know him. He was there. It's in John 1 and verse 1 John 1 and verse 2, the life was made manifest. Look at this. And we have seen it. And not only did we see it, listen to him. He says, we testify to it and proclaim it to you. So he says to people that, that maybe weren't there, that were, that were Christians at the time, that, that maybe didn't, didn't get to see Jesus in the flesh, but came along later on. John's there late in his life. He's like, guys, I saw it. I saw him myself. And I testify to you. I I put my stamp on it. I put my life on it and I proclaim it to you. Jesus is real. And this is what happens when we read John. Can I just encourage you, you should do this with your Bible. John's gospel is called the red letter edition. I love that. The red letter edition because there's more red letters in his Bible because he recorded the most amount of things that Jesus actually said. And when we read John, when you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, this is what you should do. You should just be like so grateful that those are there because John wrote them down and they're reliable and they're true and it actually happened. And this is our God. He came, he was real, he was resurrected and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. I think that deserves some praise in church on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord. He tells the church there's no debate. 
Jesus is real. He is love and he is truth and you can trust him. And we could sit here today, 2022, and be like, well, you know, that was the ancient world. Ephesus was then and John lived then, but this is no different to what is happening in our world today. People are longing for what is truth and what is love. This was a world seeking to to understand the right truth, the right God, and John provides confirmation in his letter. He says in 1 John 2 and verse 21, he says, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Listen to these words. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. That's a verse you could use for someone who's wrestling with their faith right there. Let what you heard in the beginning, what was proclaimed to you, abide in your life. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has made to us. Listen to it. Eternal life. And I believe that our world is asking the exact same questions that the world was asking back then, which is why John's letter applies just as much today as it did back then. And I wrote down some of the things I believe our world is wrestling with and asking and wondering about right now. Here are some questions that I believe the world, your world, my world is asking right now. Who is God? We live in a confused world where everyone is trying to find and seek their own God. Or they've become their own version of God. People are looking to serve the God of money, the God of government, the God of sex, the God of lust, the God of pride, the God of self. And I believe we are at a pivotal time in history where revival is just around the corner because our world is growing tired of dead end gods. And they're looking for the real thing. Who is God? And this is why it's so important that we have young adults gatherings on Tuesday. This is why it's so important that we have a hundred youth show up on a Wednesday night because we need to proclaim this is the real God. And he has a name. His name is Jesus. And you can put your faith in him and you will not be let down. Who is God? Another question is who is right? Who's right in the end? Who is right about all this eternity business? John's gospel is known as the I am gospel, which means this. He recorded the very words that Jesus spoke and declared about himself. Our world wants to know what is right, that Jesus is our true north. And in the end, it's his righteousness that makes us right and means we're right in the end. Who is right? Jesus is right. And if we're with him, we'll be all right. This is why we preach Christ crucified on a Sunday. Crucified, resurrected Jesus. Because it's only in him that our righteousness is available. What is truth? Another question that's being asked today. It was John that recorded it when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We live in a world that's desperately searching in the dark for truth. Trying to figure out truth. Right now, they're coming up with their own versions of truth. But we have the truth. 
This is foundational for our lives. The reason that suicide is so prevalent amongst young people is because when you feel like there is no hope, you wonder how you can live. And so that's why we have to keep preaching Christ because it's through Jesus that people have hope. And we can base our lives on it. Another question that's being asked is what is right and what is wrong? Everyone now wants to tell everyone else why they're wrong. But I believe there is a hunger and a thirst for what is right. Righteousness, which is truly only found in Christ. And when the enemy tries to sell the counterfeit, which is self-righteousness, what is true and what is right is only found in Jesus because Jesus is right. And when I put my trust in him, I submit my life to him, I can be saved. 1 John 2 and verse 1, John said this, he said, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Listen to it. The righteous. And there's something else that John wrote down. This is in Revelation. Just thought I'd throw this in. Revelation 19 and verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So John writes in Revelation, he says, actually, not only is he true, came in the flesh, these are his names. It's almost like John's writing to us to say, he says, guys, Jesus came in the flesh. Put your trust in him. He's the son of God. We saw it. He brings us to the love of God through his own life. He is our truth. Okay, so number one. God is love and he is true. Number two, this is the next message that John gives us through his letter is this. Love one another because that's our command. See, with God, there's always two things. There's revelation and then there's opportunity. There's revelation and then there's opportunity. So it's not like John says, okay, this is the, this is the truth. God is real and that's it. And you just wait around to the end of your life and then you go to heaven. No. He says, love one another because you've been loved. That's our command. There's revelation and opportunity. It's amazing how God shows us something and then invites us to do something with it, to build the kingdom of God, to talk to someone about Jesus, to pray with someone who's hopeless, to be the love that God needs us to be in our world. John understood this. This is why he went on and on and on about love. 1 John 3 and verse 11, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You know, there is nothing more compelling than the love of God. There is nothing more compelling on the planet than the love of God. Why? Because it's unconditional. It's free of conditions. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do, come on somebody, to keep it. There is absolutely nothing you can do about it, but God's love is available. There's nothing, you'll never convince me otherwise there's anything more compelling than the love of God because it's free of condition and it draws you in. And all it takes is you to tell someone or someone to find out and it's just like, man, their lives are changed. There's nothing you can, there's there's no stopping the love of God. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. He says, For the love of Christ compels us. 
Because we judge thus, listen to it, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You want to know what your purpose is in this life? Maybe you're in here today and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my... You just found it right there. It's right there. It says, those who live. If you have Jesus, you live. It says, should no longer live for themselves, but live to love other people. See, John, he had a personal revelation of Jesus, but he had a growing revelation of Jesus. You know, John also gives me hope because you know what John was also called in the Bible? One of the sons of thunder. You remember those guys? Back then, he was a long way from the love apostle. Trying to ask Jesus to call down lightning from heaven to kill people. But he had a personal revelation of Jesus and a growing revelation of Jesus. He saw him. He saw how much God's love permeated through Jesus to the world and he felt compelled to write and to encourage us to do it as well. He says, this is the most important thing. Love one another. 1 John 3 and verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Would you stand with me? I'm going to take a moment and pray. I want to pray for the, the love of God to go out through us. Because I believe this is the driving message of John. That this is our command. This is our call. This is what we're supposed to do. Is we're called to love one another. There's another story that, that I really like, a historical story about John. Towards the end of his life, he shows up at church, shows up at temple. And at the time, the church was blown away and there was murmuring amongst the people and John was somewhere up the back and people were in there and they're, they're whispering. Everyone's just like, John's here, John's here. Guys, guys, John's here. And so they ask him, they call him down the front. They just ask him to speak. And they're like, John, tell us. Tell us what it was like. Tell us what, something about Jesus. And apparently this is all he said. He said, this is, this is all you need to know. Love one another. And there's also a story that going around for the last few years of John's life. It's the only thing that came out of his mouth. Love one another. We're called to love one another. And they say, well, what else could you say? He's like, there's nothing else to say. That's our Lord's command. Love one another. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take on the spirit of John. We're going to take on his revelation and claim it as our own. And we're going to believe for people that don't know hope will know hope through us. That people that haven't encountered the love of God like we have, they will get an encounter. They will get an opportunity to experience the love and the grace and the beauty of Jesus Christ for themselves. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now, give me a person, give me a name, give me a family, give me a neighbour, give me a co-worker, give me someone in my own family that hasn't encountered the love of God, that doesn't know Jesus, that, that maybe is struggling, looking for truth, looking for meaning, looking for hope. And let's pray right now for those people to encounter the love of God. God, we thank You for Your love. 
Father, we thank You that it permeated through You, Jesus. It permeates through us as well today. And Father, we claim to know You. So Lord, let us love the people in our world. Let us somehow, God, transfer and extend and be extensions of the love and the grace of God to the people in our world. God, we pray for people in our lives right now that are struggling with hope. Lord, may You use us to help them see the hope that comes with knowing Jesus. Father, we pray for people that are lost in our world that don't know You, God. We pray that You would somehow, Lord, through us and through the love that we we, we display, Lord, that You would draw people close. Father, we pray for prodigals right now that are away. God, would You bring them home through the love of Jesus. And we say all this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Let's take a moment and worship. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.